You got that going? I do. There's um, roughly 49 minutes and 18 seconds left. Oh. I don't know. Until <laughs> when? I don't know. <laughs> what happens then? I don't We'll have to find out. Okay. So, uh, leave it if it's not 49 minutes and 19 seconds. Yes, announcer guy. Are you feeling that? We're back in Studio B in the backyard. The sprinklers are on. Yeah, the sprinklers are on. So for the next uh, six minutes and 48 seconds, you're going to hear a f- in the background, I'm which is my sprinklers. I'm watching one of your dogs like, dig underneath the fence almost. Oh, yeah. The okay. dogs dig around the fence. The other dog decides that it didn't get enough water, so it thought it would help it out. <laughs> the, uh, I don't really like, well, the, the lab dog, of course, likes walking through the water. The, the other dog does not like walking through the water. Okay. And then we have one other animal that wants to come join us. And the cat. And the cat sits at the back door watching. Intently. Yes. How are and you? That is our world in the backyard of my house. Not bad. Not bad at all. How about yourself? I'm a, uh, You've been busy. Fantastic, yeah. Like That's good. Things outside. are happening again. Yeah. Like think, there's actual events that you're a part right. of and yeah. people are asking you to be a part of other events, which is a good thing for you. It's definitely a good thing. And, and it's nice to get involved, be involved and be considered um, you oh, know, yeah. for, for things and for community events and, and whatnot. So whether it's a low rider car show or working a high school baseball game or being a part you of... You worked a high school baseball game? I did. What did you do at oh, a high school man, baseball game? Oh, man, did I ever. Okay, so... Wait a second. What? First off, let's greet everybody. All right. Hello. Good afternoon. Good morning. And welcome to the Newman and Payne podcast. We're up to episode 183. And now, what were you saying? The, <laughs> the, the, the baseball stadium, Greater Nevada Field. Yeah. Where I am employed. Yeah. Um, we had our first baseball game there in over 600 days. Right. And it was a high school baseball game between the Truckee Wolverines and the South Tahoe Vikings. Okay. It was an exciting game. And, and to me... Well, they've done high school games there in the past. They have, just not in the last 600 days. Well, because no, of, because nobody played anything in the last 600 days. So right. there's that. But okay. So... Wait, 600 days? Yeah, it's been 600. It's a little over 600 days since we've had baseball there. We have 365 days in a year. Correct. And it was, what, September of 2019 was the last game, right? Early, uh, mid, uh, mid to late August. Really? Because they went on the road for the last series Correct. or two. Yes. And didn't make the playoffs, and that was that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that makes 600 days. Yeah. Okay. And even if they did, I think if they did make the playoffs that year, um, they were on the, they started on the road. And they lost, you know, they, they right. lost their game. Okay. Anyway, so um, we have our first baseball games at the stadium for the first time in over 600 days. Um, as I mentioned, Truckee Wolverines, South Tahoe Vikings. And to me, the game was of minor league proportion in the sense that Truckee opened up a can of whoop-ass out of the gate. They went up 3 nothing at the top of the first. And you thought, like, when they kept tacking on runs, you're like, this game's going to go on forever. Because this happened one time uh, the Aces were playing – I want to say the the visiting team at the time was the Tacoma Rainiers, and the the Rainiers took forever to get through their. I think it was the Rainiers. Went whoever the opposing team was took forever to get through their first half inning of baseball. And Corey, our announcer upstairs, at one point when we went to go do our hijinks in the middle of the first inning. He said through the PA, "Hey CP, you still awake down there?" I said, "I swear to God, Corey, there's a human rain delay at the at the at the home plate at home plate, but you know we made it through." And human rain delay. <laughs> and so I thought for sure we were going to get tagged with a fine that year, and the the crowd thought it was hysterical. We thought we were pretty funny, and that was that. So 
to go back to the Truckee South Tahoe game, they tagged uh, South Tahoe with three runs. Then later in the game, South Tahoe put on a run and then two and then tied it up at three runs apiece. Then it went into extra innings because high school baseball only goes seven innings. Right. So they went now eight innings. Truckee tags on a run at the um, top of the eighth. Now it's going into the bottom of the eighth and Tahoe puts on a run and then they start to get a slight rally. Next thing you know, a little bloop out to right field, that dead zone between the second baseman and the right fielder, and they had a runner at third. That was the game winner right there. And it was exciting to watch. And, and it fun. Was, yeah, it was a, the, fun for those kids. And their parents were in the stands? Their parents were in the stands. That's they had, cool. They had other, other uh, school classmates and all that all right. in the stands. And so it was just fun. Let them have a few hundred people there along with. And there was also just people in general from the community. Oh, really? Because okay. I was, just I ran into se- by. season ticket holders. I ran into just passers-by, and it was great. They were all in the stands, and, and I, we were all like kids in a candy store, and all of us had the same reaction. This is the first time we're seeing baseball in however many days, and we don't care. I was we about j- to say, starved for live entertainment yes. is what that is. Okay. It, it was like I told, uh, I told new season ticket holders that I was talking to that day. I go, it's almost like being at that, that country music concert that I told my friends, I don't care how bad the band is and how, how bad the beer is. I just want to drink a beer and see a live show. Even if it's country. I don't care. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fine by yeah, me. Yeah, no, starved for entertainment. And live music. A lot of that world will be going for a while mm-hmm. where people are like, I don't care. I just want to see something. It's I want true. To, I want to be out. I want to be a part of what's going on. So that brings me to my thought, Uh-oh. which is I was going to ask you about superstitions because you're getting ready to go into the Aces season. Mm-hmm. You've been around a lot of ball players now. Yeah. How many years you've been? This will be how many seasons for you at the Aces? Technically, if we would have had baseball in the 20 season, this would be my sixth year on the okay. field as the team MC. Okay. And you filled in here and there for different stuff. And you also did the uh, 1868 stuff before yeah. that went away. 1868 so. for 17, 18, 19, and for 16 games in 2020. And then the plug was pulled on the team and right. no mas. And, and, then, <laughs> and then they bailed. Yeah. Superstitions you had to have seen with ballplayers. Absolutely. Tell me something that came across your plate that you thought was pretty fun. Um, wow. I would have to think, going back to the, I, I forget the player's name, but in the 16th season, they always had um, a ritual of when, they're, when they were called out, uh, when, they, when they were called out in the lineup onto the field. Oh, right. They did like a, um, like a, a stutter step hop over the third baseline. Yeah. Well, you never touch the chalk. Right. That's that's a thing. You'll watch guys on TV. You, that I remember when I played ball, you did not touch the chalk. But almost as if you, they, you, were, they were they were doing like step on a crack, break your brother's back. Yeah, and, yeah. and but they were doing like this weird tiptoe kind of like as they're running to the line or kind of uh, jogging to the line lightly, and then they do like a quick little stutter step and then over the line, and then they keep their their huh. stride going. Okay. And it was always the one player that had that. I wish I could remember. It wasn't huh. Zach. It may have been Zach Bornstein. Come okay. to think of it. Well, it doesn't matter either way. It's Zach, kind of a fun. <laughs> I could tell you one thing, which is probably a TMI moment and might make it kind of awkward, but funny at the same time, especially when I found out about it later. So um, the former player uh, of uh, former communications uh, uh, director up there, player of communications, whatever, Jackson Gaskins. Do you remember Jackson? Uh, Vaguely. Tall fella from Sacramento, was with the team for a couple of years. Anyhow, um, he he told me we were talking about Bornstein one day. 
And he goes, man, I don't know what his deal is, but I went down to the clubhouse to go ask the team something, and Zach's walking around the clubhouse fully nude. But it's not just fully nude. Dude has no body hair. I go, at all? And he goes, he shaves everything. I'm like, that is so weird. That is a low TMI, but okay. Maybe that's a superstitious thing. Uh, Just a speed thing. Guys do that. They think they're faster. It's like a whole swimming, running thing. Okay. So, yeah, Zach was with the team 16, 17, and then he was out and with Vegas then in 18. And I don't know where he's been. We could probably Google it now, but um, that, that was the last time we saw Zach Bornstein in Reno was in 2018 when he was playing for the 51s. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, yeah, not jumping on. When I, when I played as a little kid, just mm-hmm. from Little League Babe Ruth and all that sort of stuff, it was the ritual getting into the box. And it wasn't that it helped you hit any better. Mm-hmm. It's that it kind of settled your head. And you did what you did that one time you got a good hit. <laughs> and you made sure that you did it every single time. Fair enough. And by the time you get to the bigs, that stuff gets ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watch the guys and they're changing the gloves and they're, okay, we have to do each glove three times between each pitch. And then we knock the hat, and then we got to make sure we touch the gloves to the hat because the hat's got the pine tar on it. And then we touch the top of the bat, and then we touch the bottom of the bat. I mean, right? <laughs> so It's three... rituals, so it's kind of superstition, but it's rituals, which are all part of superstitions. Three instances come to mind when you mention this. First off, in a comedy sense, Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Oh, right. In the naked gun when he was the umpire and was doing all the weird signs. <laughs> right. <laughs> and taking forever. And the managers of both teams are watching like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> right. Because after a while, it becomes right. ridiculous watching these guys in all of this stuff. And honestly, you're a Jeter nut. Yeah. But Jeter at bat was awful. Not nearly as bad as Nomar Garcia Parra. And I'm not saying that because I don't like the Red Sox. Yeah, I'm... he was right there with them. He was one of these guys that would take 20 seconds between every pitch. Mm-hmm. And you're like, come on, this is how this turns into a four-hour routine. Thus circling back to the term that I used a moment ago when you repeated it, human rain delay. Yeah. And the human rain delay, to me, came in the form of former Cincinnati Reds and Detroit Tigers player, now color commentator, Sean Casey. Okay. Sean Casey was was exactly that player. He was the one, he was the human rain delay at the plate when he, with the Reds especially, because he would do the gloves, he would do the stretch, the twitch, the turn, the hat, the this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden, the second inning is starting at 7 o'clock at night when the game started at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. It's miserable. And, And like I said, it starts out because you do one thing, you get a hit, Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, we got to keep doing this because I got a hit the last time I did that. And... It translates to other things mm-hmm. like you. Uh, so in for me, the world of golf. Yes. Uh, which I you have to have a routine in. this. Oh, I am because of my <laughs> head. I am I am not not a pretty human being when it comes to what goes on in my head. I mean, the, the demons are screaming. And so I do lots of things to help them out. OK, so. Um, you remember Major League Hats for Bats, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay, so <laughs> Hats for Bats are actually just golf head clovers hmm. for those that don't remember the movie or the entire thing. That's all he had was, uh, I think it was Corbin Bernstein rolled in with his clubs and he put it down in front of his locker and that's when um, he walked over and pulled off one of the head covers and puts a, put it on his bat and goes, ah, Hats for Bats. And okay, well, I have a lot of head covers. 
and head covers all have their own different thing and they must be certain orders okay. and certain groupings. I can't put all of the same style. I can't put too many logos that all have trees together. Okay. On the clubs at the same time, things get weird there. Okay. Um, yeah. So that that gets kind of dark in the head right there. What is the most animated you get with your head covers? Anim what is animated? That? Like, say, for instance, you and I are big fans of Warner Brothers cartoons. Okay. Oh. Excuse me. Do you have a Gossamer head cover? Yes. Okay. So that's what I mean. When when I say animated, um, oh, do, do you have a Marvin like, the Martian? I don't have Marvin the Martian. I have canine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because why, does not surprise me at all. <laughs> why have the why have the major tertiary characters when you can have the truly tertiary <laughs> characters in K9 the head cover which I only saw once, oh, never seen since. You can't find it online. I have no idea how I came across that. But yeah, I so of the that is amazing. The critters I have the Gossamer. Mm -hmm. I have Taz, Tasmanian Devil. By the way, Gossamer is only spoken in three cartoons, three Warner Brothers cartoons. He only, and he only had sorry. like one line. No, right? no uh, people and uh, people was like, but no, I'm sorry. Uh, Gossamer appeared in three Warner Brothers right. cartoons. Yeah, so super tertiary. Yeah, he's the the big orange uh, monster. Monster, yeah. That had arms. Yeah, he had arms. Mm -hmm. He always wore he always wore like Chuck Taylor shoes. Yep, but he. Uh, and he had like low arms, but he was the big orange guy. That mm -hmm. was Gossamer. I don't even know why we know his name, because I don't. I think Bugs Bunny said his name once. In uh, those three different no, times. he was just monster. But but uh, yeah, it was just a monster. Um, I we'd we'd have to research that real quick. But yeah, I don't know the answers to why Gossamer got his name. Okay, so there's a Taz, there's a Gossamer, mm -hmm. Scooby Doo. Okay, uh, which I don't use very often because he kind of fell apart, and. Um, I told you canine and animal. Awesome. From the Muppets. And animal only comes out for tournaments. Wow. So animal gets blended with, <laughs> okay, this, this gets really deep. Animal comes out with the boxing glove head cover. Okay. And uh, one that's, a, that's a, another signature little head cover. But the idea is be an animal, take no prisoners, that's the mentality for that, a tournament. That's smart. And it's only for tournaments. Okay. Because the animal's rare, I don't want to run him out. And he kind of, he, he's animal, he falls off. He's got long arms and he's kind of awkward, but he's a pretty cool head cover. That's awesome. So, yeah, so he only comes out for head covers. But what I won't, or for tournaments, what I won't do in a tournament is wear a brand new shirt. That is an absolute, absolute no-no. Fair enough. Because if it's brand new, then I, will most likely play terribly. Well, now that's kind of in line <laughs> with um, with the house detective, right? When you when you host that, okay. you only wear like uh, you used to wear a suit all of the time. And right. Wore the suit in the studio and when we left the studio for the showroom. Yeah, now it's I a golf gave shirt. Up, right. No, it's the button-down shirts. Button down, it's like the, the tucket shirts and whatnot. Okay. Um it because I could not see sitting on couches and casual chairs in a suit okay. and not looking completely awkward. Okay. Like, so are you supposed to be selling this stuff when you're not on the show? <laughs> I'm serious. That was the visual yeah. that I had. So All right. I'm like, okay, we gotta we gotta blend in. And oh, by the way, I had to buy certain colors because the showroom that to host the show in mm -hmm. has certain colors. And if I'm wearing shirts that just 
I just blend right into that couch. Okay. So yeah, certain colors of shirts don't work, but nothing there is super. I don't have a lot of superstitions to the show because it's such a routine doing it each week. Do you have a, a, a color preference? Blue. Okay. Any like a like a periwinkle, royal, navy. Blue. Okay. Yeah. No. And um. And I get mocked quite regularly by the wife when I show up. Oh look, <laughs> another blue golf shirt. <laughs> Because hey, at least you know when they get washed together, there's going to be no color set. But that's no right. There's no, yeah, there is no run from one to the other. Mm -hmm. But yes, regularly I hear the, oh, look, you got another new blue golf shirt. <laughs> because you and I have something very, as we've talked about, we're, we're kind of heavy on the uh, clothes front. Mm -hmm. Kind of heavy. This is accurate. Yeah. So I tried an experiment once where I'd wear a different golf shirt like every round to see if I could wear it just once for okay. the season. I didn't. I, I, I tried the, speaking of too many things, I tried to do the Marie Kondo thing, the, the less is more situation where like you, you okay. go to your closet, you pull all the stuff out of the closet and whatever, like if you hold it up, if it doesn't make you happy or bring you happiness or whatever, or make if you, you don't, happy. or if you don't wear it enough, that's what it okay. is. If you don't wear it enough, why do you have it? Get rid of it. Yeah. I kind of, I try to do the one year program. If I haven't worn it in 365 days, winter, spring, summer, fall, and winter again. <laughs> yeah, probably going to get rid of it. And I'm fair enough. I'm, yeah, you you do things where you'll put it away and you're like, oh no, I have an occasion for that. And yeah. it may not happen until the next blue moon, but I'll pull it out for that. So that happened about a month ago. Um, I threw on a Limp Biscuit shirt that I received as a promotional gift from Interscope Records okay. in 97. And I hadn't worn the Limp Biscuit shirt in, let's see now, it's 2021. Honestly, I haven't worn that shirt in 20 years. Okay. Not only did it still fit, which made me happy, but it was also the fact that um, it was the, the logo, the Limp Bizkit logo on the front was that of the Burger King logo. Oh, right. And then on okay. the back of the shirt that people don't see, it's, it says... So hey. instead of it saying Burger King, it says Limp Bizkit between Limp the buns? Between the buns. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then on the back of it, it says, have it our way. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. But I mean, that, that's the thing. So... Like over time, there. Do you wear a three eleven shirt on March eleventh? Uh, I could. It's over now. I but right. I think I have honestly one three eleven t shirt, and it's in the the logo, the the style of a Heineken label. And okay. I got that when they played up at the lake in, uh, I think I want to say it was like March two thousand twelve. Still have the shirt. I do. Good for you. But I mean, it's it's again one of those you wear it once a year. You have it. You wear it on 311 day and you put it away. Okay. And people don't remember because they're like, oh, well, man, what an awesome shirt. Where did you get it? Because they do a lot. Oh, actually, correction. I have two 311 shirts. So uh, I have that <laughs> one. And then I have the one um, where they played back-to-back -back shows at uh, Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park. And oh. the shirt, the style of the shirt, it has baseball bats on it. Um, and it, it has uh, 311 logos, I believe, in Yankee font and Red Sox font. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Nothing, uh, nothing controversial there. Well, no. Okay. And, and, and I th they did it on purpose. They, the, they sell, like, they, like certain bands sell certain shirts. Like sure. a Foo, Foo Fighters. I have a handful of Foo, Foo Fighters shirts, but one of them I picked up was when I saw them in Texas at, uh, at uh, Austin City Limits in 2014. And the Foo Fighters logo on the front of the shirt is the backdrop of it is the Texas flag. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So it's stuff like that, and right. and like I have one from when they played in when I saw them in Seattle um, that same year, like two months later, um, or two two or three weeks later, or whatever. And they they played um, played the showbox, and they had the shirt with the the skyline of Seattle in the background. So you got another shirt there. Foo Fighters. Right. We're never going to discuss exactly how many t-shirts are going on in Chris Bain's world. I mean... It, okay. Yeah. So let's go back to... Has there been one or maybe a pair of shoes where you're like, damn it, every time I put these on, this is not a good day. Now, before you get to that answer... Okay. When I was a little kid... Yeah, little kid... Um, I walk out into the back driveway with my dad, mm-hmm. and it is uh, March of 1990, and my dad oh, shortly is, before we met. Yeah, my dad is uh, <laughs> is poking at a small fire that he has built in the middle of our driveway. This is not a thing my dad ever does, okay. and I'm like, so what do we got going here? And he goes, Yeah, I just decided to burn that yellow shirt because. <laughs> Every time I've worn that yellow shirt, it has been a really bad day. Let me give you some examples. And he tells me these horrible things that have happened while he wore this yellow shirt. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, fair enough. So we just sat there and I watched him poke at this yellow shirt until it was down to powder. And that was the end of it. So That was shortly before um, he put the, or or probably during the time when he put the wheels in motion for Z-Rock. Because Z-Rock yeah. d- debuted in, if I'm not mistaken, and you could correct me on the date on this, but I believe it debuted on September 10th, 1990. <laughs> it was 1990. It was September. I don't know. The It was hard. I can't tell you the exact dates because we spent two weeks moving the control room mm-hmm. from Incline Village down to Kitsky Lane. Okay. And we had, it was still K-Lite transmission yeah for a big chunk of that period of time right which was what the station was before we turned it into to z-rock so i couldn't tell you exactly at what point we flipped the switch to the satellite and to the network and all that sort of stuff away from because i think he closed the deal sometime in the latter part of july first part of august um i i just i'm i'm just trying to live and then it was the the wheels that have to happen in order to (laughs) make a radio station in a whole other city. I'm just trying to live by the the, the law that we had at Z-Rock, which was you got to be more than just ready. You got to be Z-Rock ready. Z-Rock ready. <laughs> okay. Did we really have... You some, don't remember that song? You no. got to be more than just ready, ready, ready. You got to be Z-Rock ready. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was like a really bad stinger. That so we bad. No, but yeah. it was like that was the theme song of the radio station because yeah. that song was played to sign on when the station signs on in every so, new city. Right. Yeah, that was a network thing that I think some of the guys in Dallas had some of their buddies go and record. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't like anything that you... Yeah. No, and, <laughs> and I mean, because I remember like when Z-Rock... We'll get back to the the the, the superstition, the, thing. The superstition okay. thing in a minute. But the, I remember that the whole Z-Rock thing, when it signed on, I was getting... Because this is long before the internet, long before right. text messaging and, and a 
social media and all that. Oh, yeah. You're getting phone calls at whatever time in the morning. Are you hearing Motorhead on the radio right now? It's 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> the next day, are you hearing Slayer right now? They're playing They're playing Seasons in the Abyss. Like, they're yes. playing War Ensemble. It's 8.15 in the morning. Like, this and it was, went straight into Testament. Yeah. Oh, man. This was the flamethrower <laughs> that Reno had been waiting for and needed at the time. And then... Michael Sion comes along. Yep, Michael Sion. I'm sure he's still out there somewhere. And he wrote an article about how we signed on heavy metal in Reno and all of the anti-Catholic and all of the anti-church people are going to be angry at us and having heavy metal played at 8.30 in the morning when kids are headed to school and he torched us in the newspaper. I believe the article was on the back page. Back page. Unnecessary. Back top of the page, so there'd be like the back uh, back page headline. Right. Um, of the style, style section, section. Yes. Which was section D mm. of the paper at the right. time. And it said, new f- new radio station to come to... Uh, uh, comes to Reno. Comes to Reno, format to be hard rock and heavy metal. Yeah. At the time, I was not doing radio. That's all I read on the thing. And I just, all I said out of my... All that came out of my mouth was, I need to be a part of this radio station <laughs> right now. And... So I did whatever I could to find out where it was, how do I apply, what do I do, this, that, and the other. I had to be a part of it. And oh, yeah. It so was... to, uh, to, to um, add to what you were just saying about how the, the Catholics and stuff would be upset oh, in the man. morning, there is a radio... It wasn't, it's not, don't, uh, no disrespect to Catholics uh-uh. or anything like that. It was like, it was totally uh, fueling flames to thinking that this was like all demonic music. Right. And sure, there was some Danzig thrown in there. Sure, there was some deicide on Sunday night. Sure, there were some things that probably were not the most positive in the religious world. But that was not what we were all about. Crazy Mike Payne, um, he had his metal show. Right. That aired at, I believe it aired at 9 p.m. our time. It was either 9 or 10 p.m. our time because I think it was on at 11 out there. So it would have been 9 here. <clears throat> Excuse me, because they were in Dallas. So right. I think it was 9 sure. here. And so, yeah, to to exactly what you just said, he played Cannibal Corpse and Deicide and Obituary and all this stuff that we had never heard on the Speaking radio before. Cannibal Corpse has a new album out, don't they? They do, and it is amazing. I'm so glad you referenced that. Yeah, I've been hearing it a lot lately. Okay, I am impressed you referenced that. I anyway. need to give you a round of applause, my friend. Thank you so okay. much for that. That's incredible. I just wait for the lyrics. <laughs> I just wait. I can, I can do it for... Okay, that's enough. All right, and we keep going. <laughs> yeah, so, th- so that was that. And then uh, to circle back to it, um, when being a part of Z-Rock, I came to, in, in doing a metal show on the station, I came to join a network of what is referred to as metal programmers mm-hmm. who we, ha- we all had a specialty show, and we were all reporting to a uh, couple of different publications. One was called The Hard Report, mm-hmm. and um, the day that we're recording this is on May 2nd, which also happens to coincide with my friend Holly McCormick, who um, worked for The Hard Report at one point, okay. and so I want to say happy birthday to Holly. Um, okay. But she worked worked at the Hard Report, and also another publication was FMQB Friday Morning Quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah. I was waiting for you to reference that. Sure. And the other one that that was there, but I could not report to because we were not a college radio station, was CMJ, which is College right. Music Journal. And what was cool about all of these publications was they were actual publications. Absolutely. They would mail you, and it was like really fun to see. Okay. 
here are all these bands that are on the tour and here's a picture with DJs that you've heard of in other state in other cities mm -hmm. and they're at this show backstage and everybody's doing the cold casual picture in front of the camera yep. and then you got to the very back and there's your station with your ads and your your playlist playlist yeah. with everybody else in that format and it was such a big deal it was super neat yeah and 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 to uh, to to add to that um, you I know, still have an uh, issue of FMQB where I am named as a something director for Z Rock Reno awesome. as a mention at some point in the magazine. That's awesome. I'm like I had to keep this. <laughs> yeah, when when you know we had this good fortune of being a part of that and, and being part of this community that you know radio stations across the country who it wasn't like people when they it wasn't instantaneous. There it, was a little delay and it waited for things to uh, mature different than the way it works now. And it was more like the radio community, the radio world was more in, a, in, a, in, in the rock and metal um, sense was more than just pirate radio out of LA and KNAC right. and um, maybe Casey in St. Louis, but they, they weren't really a metal station. They were just, they played a lot of kick-ass rock and roll, um, Kiss in San Antonio. So to, to really like bring that in, um, there was a station in New Jersey, in South Orange, New Jersey, and they're on the Seton Hall campus. Oh, Seton okay. Hall is a Catholic school. Right. I don't know if you're aware of this. And yes. recently, um, there have been groups protesting Seton Hall's radio station. Whoops. WSOU. <laughs> Which has been playing this music for Forever. Decades. Oh, yeah. and they just caught on to, oh, we don't like this music. And the only, here's the caveat. <laughs> Whoops. Okay, so the, 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 the archbishop and the, the diocese, right, is that, yeah. am I right? Okay, so all the, the administrators and everything, they have to approve some of the music, right? But they also, they don't have a problem with the music. They just have a problem with a couple of the bands. So, for instance, you cannot play Deicide. Well, no. You cannot That's... play Lamb of God. Probably not. <laughs> okay. But, but you can get away with, you know, some other questionable things. You can play Sepultura, even though it means coffin in Portuguese. You can play, right. you know, stuff like that. But obviously not taking the time to read lyrics, right. just reading label name or just reading band names. Right. Okay. And and so with when you reference the whole Catholic families and getting yeah. upset in, in Reno, and I'm like, that was thirty one years ago. It's thirty one years later and people are pissed off at doing it still. SOU New yeah. Jersey. Yeah, and this was like right in the time of Tipper Gore and all that sort of oh, stuff yeah. and the PMRC. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we had labels on albums and Because the it two was live crazy. crew were under under hot water or in hot water with um, Band in the USA. They were in hot water with uh, with the song Me So Horny, with like all that stuff at the time. So it was wasn't just Ice metal. Cube too. Um, Ice Cube, well, he had... That okay, was the body count. That was... No, no, you're thinking Ice T. Ice T, sorry. So in I get the two And the body Imagine count that. situation... That's a white guy thing. Right <laughs> the body okay. count situation was 92. So that actually started on his album OG, Original Gangster, right. with the song Body Count. And then that was the, was the, um, the vehicle that then opened the door for the band Body Count to release their record in March of 92. Ah, and I okay. saw uh, Big Bob, who's also been referenced, in a handful of podcasts on here. Right. Big Bob and I drove over the hill with his friend Caleb, and we went to the classic jukebox in Roseville to go see Body Count and Ice-T. Ooh. The show was amazing. I believe it was March, uh, March 31st, 1992. It's like okay. two days after the record came out. Wow. Yeah. See, that. do you remember what you were wearing? 
Oh yeah, I was wearing like big uh, anthrax baggy shorts, and I had uh, some sort of uh, black, obviously a black metal, t- or not black metal, like Venom, but um, I had a heavy metal t-shirt of, of sorts, some uh, a black t-shirt of some band, and um, yeah, I had the shaved sides on the head and everything. All right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you asked. Yeah, I know. I did ask. All right. Yeah. But the point is that you have those moments mm-hmm. where you say, this is really good. I'm going to stick with this. Absolutely. This is taking care of itself. Oh, by the way, I have added to the tournament thing, getting back to the superstitions. Yeah, yeah. I have a uh, really cool Darth Vader towel that I picked up at Disneyland that you don't even know it's Darth Vader. It's a super low-key like outline of his thing. Okay. Of his uh, helmet. Oh, and like a profile thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, silhouette? no, not a silhouette. It's just kind of, it's like a outline of the highlights of his mask. Okay. Is all that the towel is. And that I did really well in the tournament. I kept bringing the towel back. So it comes to other things. So while I can't remember what I wore in 1992 to anything, unless there's a photo of it. And it generally it was back then it was Xerox t-shirts. Cause yeah. Working for the station, that was just what you did. And you were, okay, so you were ahead of the curve, in in my opinion, on the branding situation and that aspect. Yeah. I was more um, the guy who, you know, if, if I'm going to a Van Halen show, I want to wear a shirt that's not a, not um, of that genre of music. Oh, yeah. No, you wanted to go the shocking route. Yeah. That was always your thing. And, yeah, I... I kind of looked at the whole Xerox logo, the brand, the all that sort of stuff, and said we have to drive this home, whether it was consciously or subconsciously. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was, and then stations in years to follow. Mm-hmm. That's all they did. Okay, but so then there. Do you remember? Um, it was. It was. I want to say it was December '91. Was it? no, no, not December '91. Uh, December '92, when Queensrÿche and Warrior Soul played here. Oh right. Right. Sure. And we were having, we were uh, at battle, so to speak, with KRZQ yes. before they had flipped format to alternative and they were right. still a rock station. Right. And we were, like, we were the station that everybody listened to. Right. We had it, we had it rolling for a while and mm-hmm. had the, I remember having kind of the battle backstage with those guys mm-hmm. before we met Queensryche. It was one of the first times they did the whole, line the guys up behind the table and have them sign something and you go down buffet style? No, no. That happened at the Tesla show. Tesla and Firehouse. The yeah. Fourth Te- of July show. They on, did that uh, too, but Queensryche was one of the first ones I remember of that. Okay. Where, okay, here's Scott and then there's Jeff and then there's the rest of the band and mm-hmm. you went down and you had something to sign. If, if you want a picture with them, you like leaned over the table and it was really <laughs> awkward. Um, right? Yes. That was one of the first times, whereas before that, it was such a more casual room and the guys would kind of do a little networking around the room. They'd take their 15 minutes, they'd take some pictures, mm-hmm. and then they'd walk out the room. And then they started, and you noticed how it became more and more organized to where it became cafeteria style. It was, and, and it was kind of awkward. Um, right, and all the way, and it to an apex of when you brought my daughter to meet 21 Pilots. Well, that was just that, that. Okay, so that was pure cafeteria style. In the door, wave, say hi, <laughs> and you're out the door. I mean, I don't even know if you can call it cafeteria. It was right. just like, hey, how are you? Hi, photograph. Okay, okay you're out. 
I mean, it was that was so reminiscent. That's drive, that's drive through style. That was reminiscent <laughs> of when Arnie and I met um, Jenny McCarthy up at, uh, at Planet Hollywood, South Tahoe. All right. When she was up there doing a signing, and he told me he was like, "Hey, um, Jenny McCarthy, we're gonna meet her." I'm like, "I'm all about it. Here's I've got these okay. two Playboy VHS." Covers nice. that I wanted to sign, and I've got a magazine. And we get up there, and then like seconds after, like we're all, like everybody in line is all there to meet her, guys and girls. And then the manager steps out and says, "Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being here. Just to let you know, she is not signing any Playboy stuff. So thank you, and she'll be out in a minute." And he and I just looked at each other like, "Uh, what?" And it was it was just basically, "Hey, how are you? Uh, this is Jenny. Hey, how are you? This is Jenny." And just. Flush her out, flush you out of that line as quick and, as oh, possible. Oh, by the way, you have two 300-pound guys on each side of her. I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. Always, you got the thick-neck dudes that follow them up. I know that they were trying to promote her NBC comedy show, Jenny, at the time. Oh. And so. The, yeah. So the Playboy thing is not really a positive. At no, that I mean. Yeah. But, it was, but it's what we knew her for. That's all that we knew. That yeah. and and uh, not remote control. What was the the. Show that she was like some game show thing or whatever that she did. Wow! Uh, no. It was like a dating show. Okay. That she host she she was the host or co-host or whatever, and that's what it was. And that's how the, between Playboy and the dating show, that's gotcha. how we knew Jenny McCarthy. Right. And so you know you can't you can't discredit wow. the fact like hey this is what people know you for. Yeah. Not saying the dudes are gonna you know go to the centerfold spread and go oh my god this is so hot I need you to sign this. And then on the flip side, when you would bring deep catalog stuff to record guys or mm -hmm. to music guys, they'd be like, dude, mm -hmm. you have, and the one that always pops out is when you brought the deep stuff to the guys at King's X yeah. to sign. And you're like, here's your first two albums. And they're like, but only everybody knows Faith Hope Love because that's where the big song came from. It's yeah. love. But you brought Jenny Goes to Kansas. That's really cool. Uh, On vinyl. Is that right? Close. Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. I was close. Cool. <laughs> you were. <laughs> I said I intentionally screwed that up. <laughs> no, that was incredible, though, because you said that. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Is that the B-side? I was like, think about it for a second. No, that was well done. Wow. Um, no, but that's that's a lot of what it is. And, and just like you can't deny these things. Okay, so to, to, the, to add to that, um, 2007, October 2007, Mike Ness is doing a social distortion, sorry, is doing a show at The Nugget. And... Chris Cornell is performing solo at, at the time, the Reno Hilton. Wow. I think it was the Reno Hilton. It hadn't changed the Grand Sierra just yet. Yeah, yeah so they were Reno Hilton. And 2007? Yeah. No, they had turned over to Grand Sierra. It had? Yeah. Turn it over? Yeah. Okay. Because that's, yeah. No, I can tell you, per, yeah. Because that's when I was trying to do stuff with my world at oh, Grand Sierra. Me. So, so do you yeah. remember my uh, my former boss? But it Mel. was, but it was the first <coughs> excuse me first set of owners of Grand Sierra who were going to build another tower and have a water park out back mm. and this and that and it was going to be crazy time and none of that happened. Do you remember my former boss sure. Mel? Of course. Okay. She had she told me she goes okay we can either flip a coin or you can not go to Chris Cornell um, <laughs> because you're not going to see both and I was like. All right, fine. Um, yes, of course, I want to see Social Distortion. And right. that was happening. So I went to Social D. She went to, Chris, she went to Chris Cornell. Before she left work, because the show was on a Sunday, she said to me on Thursday, she goes, hey, um, if you want, any, want me to have anything signed, let me know. Bring it in tomorrow, and I'll take it with me. Cool. Great. So I brought 
a Soundgarden record that I have from like 87. Oh, wow. Okay. And when I brought it to her, I handed it to her. I go, if you can have him sign this, that would be great. She goes, okay, no problem. She's going through the line. The next day she comes into work and tells the story on the air of meeting Chris Cornell and everything was great. And so I'm just like, I'm listening to the whole story. She goes, oh, and by the way, Chris, as she pulls out the record from underneath the control room or the, the control board and hands it to me, she goes, Chris was actually happy to sign this record uh, that you gave me last night. And I said, okay, awesome. And she goes, but he also added, as he stopped in the line while he's talking to people and signing it, looking at the photograph on the record, and he just didn't say anything for about three to five seconds. And he looks right at me and says, this photograph was taken on the night that we were signed to A&M Records. Oh, wow. So this is kind of a big deal to us. Oh, wow. And she said, she said well, my, my music director at the radio station is a big fan of yours and has met you a few times, has seen you a number of times since 1989, and this is the first time he's missing you perform. And she said that Chris said to her, well, tell your music director that he has a one-of-a-kind record because we only printed so many copies of this. Oh, man. As he signs it, puts it back in the plastic sleeve and hands it to her and says, Tell him not to lose this. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah. Now, since he's gone, even more so. Very much so. And so it's, wow. it's yeah, one of those relics that it's I have locked up in my collection. Yeah. Good that for you. Won't won't leave my possession. All right. And if it ever, if if anything, God forbid, should ever happen, I hope that it is it winds up in your possession. And thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the myriad of other things that I probably like the three hundred other pieces, uh, t-shirts and no, pairs of shoes. Maybe a couple of bobbleheads. Oh, yeah. All right. There you go. My Bob Baffert bobblehead came through. Oh, man, did it ever. Yeah. Bob Baffert's uh, appearance yesterday was strong. Yes, it was. He won a seven. Kentucky Derby, right? All right. Okay. What's our time? Uh, we are not done, time? not done just yet. Because no, we have a few minutes. We have to circle back to um, <laughs> the original question, what, which is... Superstitions. Yeah. So, um, And you asked me if there's something that I would wear or right. I always had on me at some point. And every Aces game that I worked, win or lose, I, I have these um, plugs that are, are gauges or whatever that go in my ears. The dice? Yes. Okay. And the dice are, uh, are what a lot of people know me for in my ears, whether it's okay. red, blue, green, purple, whatever. But the Ace of Spades, I always wear those for every single Reno Aces game nice. in hopes that they always have a win, win or lose. Okay. It wasn't until you gifted me a T-shirt two years ago for my birthday, did I wear that underneath every single time I worked an Aces game? Oh, we and got yes, you something really fun. And yes, I laundered it, by the way, after okay. every every game. See, that I don't get. Like the whole superstition of don't wash clothes because they won and you watch the game at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I know people do that, but I don't get that because... You weren't even there cheering them on. No. <laughs> You're at home. So the T-shirt the is um, a picture of a baseball diamond, and right. it has the word life outside of the playing surface. And, and I'm trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, you looked at me, and you go, you got this. I know you do. And then it hit me. I went, life isn't fair. Right. Because the life is outside. Out fair territory. Fair territory. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good baseballism shirt if you Very haven't much seen so. it. So. Yeah, baseballism.com. They have incredible shirts, so many amazing shirts. Yeah. Um, and lots, not all of them, but lots of them are baseballisms or, mm -hmm. or baseball terminology where you will see a couple of numbers 
that equals two. And you're like, that doesn't eat up to two. And it's like, no, but that position plus that position means double play. Yep. Two outs. Yeah. Oh, okay. I get that. So yeah, the, anyway, like baseball is there's a, there's um, uh, a ma uh, mathematical problem on the shirt where it's right. six, four, three, six plus four plus three equals two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good double play around the horn. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that will do it, my friend. Yes. So when does the ball season start? Uh, Reno Aces season starts Thursday, May 13th. Tickets and info, renoaces.com. Um, I believe opening day is sold out. Oh, to I, I think it's going to be a mess until they allow us to have more people in the stadium. That is accurate. That's really the answer. Um, we they are only they only have tickets available for the games in May right now. Okay. And as soon well, sure. as... We see what gets allowed. Yeah. yeah. And sometime uh, in, in the week that this uh, podcast is, is going to be live, we should hopefully have more information about the Reno Aces season. So sometime between May 3rd and May 9th, we should know something more. Let's hope. Yeah. And okay, we'll figure out a, a topic that we can actually stay on next time. <laughs> I don't know. We're like our conversations at times being like a pinball machine, I think are actually pretty fun. <laughs> I do. I mean, yeah. and, and having structure is great and no question about it, but I, I don't know. Just this is kind of really awesome. This is what we do. Yeah. All right. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you.